And then this. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone, and uh, we got a little late start today. I didn't have a 10 o'clock show, so I got to uh, work on uh, some guests. We got some good people coming up uh, for you next week on One Radio Network, and uh, I'll tell you more about that later. But it's uh, the 26th of January. It's 11 a.m. Central. And um, these uh, bags under my eyes are brought to you by are brought to you by my second job, screenwriting, which I generally do between 2 and 5 in the morning. I don't know what I'm doing up at that time. It's crazy. I, I get these dreams about the script, and then I wake up, and then I go to the computer, and, you know, here I am. But, so... Oh, such, yeah. But if you're on audio, you don't get to experience them, so that's fine. We have audio and video streaming every show on OneRadioNetwork.com, the play button for the audio, and you see the, uh, the video there on their front page. Now, Richard Mayberry is always on the phone because rumor has it on the Internet that his wife doesn't allow video because um, he's just too cute and then too many girls will be writing him. Is, is that true, Mr. Mayberry? I mean, is that... I mean, is that true? Well, about my looks? Oh, yes, of course. I, I, I know. You're um, quite a handsome devil there. Oh, yeah. It's just stunning. And every time I look in a mirror, I can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> well, good morning. Nice to have you here. Thanks. Thank, thank you. I, I'll tell you, Patrick, I, I always look forward to these interviews with you. I've, I've been interviewed more than 400 times. And um, I, if I had to pick among all of them ever... I would pick yours as being the most fun and the most enlightening. You know, really. Um, the, the, <laughs> You're very kind. <laughs> well, the, the the public needs to hear something other than the official government and mainstream press uh, line on everything. They need to have some other viewpoint than one that you know. You you may have noticed every every official news show on the from the government or the mainstream press, it leads you to the conclusion that we need more government and more mainstream press. Oh, yes, sir. And, <laughs> and it's, it's a challenge. Let me tell folks who you are. Richard publishes the U.S. and er, World Early Warning Report. We talked to you about it. We have a little special on our website for you because you're, you're, you're cool enough to listen to us. He was formerly editor of Global Affairs Editor Money World, and he's written a whole bunch of books, and his Uncle Eric series, series books, excuse me, are really popular among the, uh, the homeschoolers, and there's more and more of those coming out because of some of the mandates and masks and vaccines that the moms don't want to do. And, um, but these are also just great for you if you're 40, 50, or 70, or whatever, because he actually talks to us like we're a young child or a golden retriever. Which is, which is good because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, and what do I know about this? Yeah, right. I mean, uh, Mitch and Mayberry, um, you know, the 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 book that you wrote back in, or the whole thing that you came out with, and what in 1981, before I even met you or got your newsletter, it was the Thousand Year War in the Mid East, right? Uh huh. Wow. And then. Um, and then the whole uh, 
9-11 thing happened after that, right? Um, not immediately after that, but um, I first uh, uh, had published a, a 22-page special report that explained that Washington was drifting into ah. the 1,000-year war between the Europeans and the Muslims. And then um, in uh, about 1998 or nine. I wrote a enlarged version of that, a full book that was like 270 pages. Yes, Still sir. is. I mean, it's in print right yes, now. Yes, sir. Um, and I predicted that we were very, very close to the, the federal government, these politicians and bureaucrats, blundering into that thousand-year war. And um, sure enough, two years later, the World Trade Center came right. down, and uh, the predictions in the report and in the book uh, were, you know, right on the money. Yes, sir. And um, in your latest newsletter, I think it's of February, you kind of, and let's get into that. So you're, you're, you're feeling now that they're going to move. Well, I mean, they, what, what, what happened was Iraq and Iran, and they're still messing with Iran, right? With the whole mm -hmm. nuclear mm, uh, thing, but it's going to be more now. Russia's going to be the bad guy. Well, um, you think that's that's my read on it. That mm. um, you know the Afghanistan thing oh, yeah, was Afghanistan. so bad. Yeah, I mean they they made every possible mistake. You can make. <laughs> Come on, you think? <laughs> yeah, I think you know there must be a department of mistakes. <laughs> Eighty-five billion dollars worth of stuff. I hear that they left there. Oh yeah, I mean they made unbelievable. They made, they, they left so much weaponry that they made the Taliban into the threat that they were afraid it would become. <laughs> you can't even make this stuff up. Yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> the idiocy of it is just so astounding. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, do you have any idea who would be calling up uh, Joe in the middle of the night and telling him to do this? I mean... No telling, huh? I'm quite sure he hears lots of voices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many of them are real people? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but, the th you know, the thing about governments is you got to remember, there's not really any such thing as the government. There's just a bunch of politicians and bureaucrats <laughs> and their minions who have this special privilege of using brute force on people who haven't harmed anyone. Um, that, that's what a government is. It's that special group of elite people who believe they know what's best for the rest of us <laughs> and that they have, the, therefore, the privilege of forcing it onto us. Brute force. Yeah. I mean, think about that word, really. Mm. Brute force. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. if you don't pay your taxes or pay your Social Security, whatever that is, mm -hmm. they'll come and get you, you know. Yeah. First, they'll, you know, like in the case of taxes, they'll, they'll uh, you know, they first try to uh, steal some of your property to make up for you not paying what they want. Yes, sir. Um, and then, you know, eventually, if you if you manage to protect everything you've got somehow, um, they'll you know, people with guns will come to your home and haul you away to prison. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it. That you know, is the most astounding thing to me in the world is that Americans all know that when they're doing their taxes, they're afraid of going to prison. And yet, they keep saying they live in a free country. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's crazy. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad we can laugh about it, though. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it helps. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, we'd all be in, in, you know, rooms with padding. You know. Yeah, that's really true. Wow. Um, so, so who was it? You wrote about. Uh, you mentioned you're a big fan of Adam Smith, right? Um, yeah. Wealth of Nations. Yeah. What did he talk about? And this was 1776, right? Yeah, and uh, that was when Wealth of Nations was published in mm-hmm. 1776, right? Right, you know, in the same uh, ballpark as uh, the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and um, Smith looked at the economic side of things. While what was going on in the United States was was the Revolution, which was political and military, he was looking at the economics of the system of liberty, and he coined that term, the natural system of liberty. Which is what America was supposed to be. There was supposed to be, you know, very, very little taxation or regulation. Mm. I mean, very, very little, as opposed to today when the federal government has made up more than 300,000 laws. Mm. I mean, this country isn't even close to, to the system of liberty that it started out to be. Um, and uh, Adam Smith. Um, you know, figured out basically how free markets work and how free markets control themselves as long as politics doesn't get involved. Um, and uh, it's always been, Wealth of Nations has always been a kind of a textbook for people who actually want to live in a free country mm-hmm. and want to know how things work in a free country. Because, yeah, there's some of us like me and you that would like to get back to that. Uh, yeah, back in the day, did they? What did they use uh, tariffs to support the gov? Uh, yeah, mostly mm-hmm. um, up until 1900. Actually, about mm-hmm. there, um, the federal government was supported almost entirely by tariffs and by taxes on liquor and tobacco. Uh huh. And that was it. There, there was uh, you know none of this. Uh, uh, income tax and and the other very burdensome things that screw up economies so much. Yes, sir. Uh, we, we could just tax like uh, drugs and marijuana and you know stuff like that now and support the whole thing. <laughs> I'll tell you that this, <laughs> this drug thing is just it's so, crazy. Have you seen some of the charts about drug overdoses? I, I saw it yesterday. Oh, yes. just in the last two years. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's mm, really run wild. Yeah, yeah just, the, the more they fight it, the more they make it a forbidden fruit. Yes, sir. Yeah, Richard Mayberry is with us. If you care to join us, he is on the eight hundred line that is now repaired. But if you care to join us with a question or a comment, or to get his uh, his email if he want, you know, because he's so handsome, is um, <laughs> is Patrick at One Radio Network dot com. Patrick at One Radio Network dot com. You know it's. When you think about Social Security, too, I mean, that's a forced thing, isn't it? I mean, it's just another tax. That's right. Just Absolutely. another tax. Yeah. People, people were told uh, back in the 30s when it was being started that they were uh, investing, that they would have a Social Security account yes, sir. that their money would pile up in, and then they would be paid out of that when they retired. And, and people thought, wow, that was a great idea. Um, but, uh, you know, governments, I mean, are, they're crooked as a dog's hind leg. <laughs> and, and so 
very quickly, what the government did is that it just turned the whole thing into a Ponzi scheme. Yes, sir. And so when you pay your money into the Social Security, it instantly disappears into the government's coffers to, for spending on who knows what, and um, you get a little IOU. And <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's what your that's Social it. Security account is, is a, is a pile of IOUs. Uh, that the government leaves there when they forcibly take the money and spend it on something else. And that's why the thing is always in trouble, because it's a, it's a con, and it keeps coming up to the point where it's going to go under, and uh, then they raise taxes again to, uh, to bail it out. And it just keeps growing and growing, and young people are winding up being the slaves of the old people. Wasn't it in '86 uh, that they just doubled them, the the, tax, the biggest tax hike and something like that? Yeah, I don't know if it was double I, or not, but you're right. It, it was, was really now. It's what seven and a half percent each, right? You and I each pay seven and a half. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah, that seven that sounds half, right to me. Seven yeah. and a half percent. And our my money money mentor Andrew Goss, God love him. He talked. He told us about the unified budget thing during LBJ where they began shifting the dollars right to the Treasury and just replacing them with the non-marketable securities, IOUs. Mm-hmm. And in my research and opinion, I think that's all that's in there now. There is no trust fund. Right. There's no, it's gone. Boom. Yes. Poof. Yeah. It's gone. It was gone probably <laughs> in the 50s. <laughs> I, mean, you, you're, I mean, think about it. You're going to... Uh, collect this enormous pile of money from the people, and you think the politicians aren't going to try to steal yeah, it? Exactly. Oh, come <laughs> on. There's cash <laughs> yeah. there, man. Let's grab that. And and you can actually do the research, and according to government figures, right now they're taking, I think, $350 billion from the general revenue just to keep Social Security afloat. Three hundred and fifty billion. They're they're under, and they keep talking about this trust fund like it's real, Mister Mayberry. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can you can write to them and and ask for a statement that shows how much money you have in your trust fund. Yeah, right. Good you know, luck with this statement back. And <laughs> I mean, it's a fraud. <laughs> but won't they always? Well, not always is a tough word, Mister Mayberry. But mm-hmm. I mean, can we generally count that we're going to? Get it because won't they just borrow more money to keep it going? Well, um, um, maybe ultimate, ultimately they will print however much money. That's what I mean. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll borrow right. from the Fed. The Fed will print it and they'll borrow it. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that will happen. But um, uh, when you get it, uh, now this is down the road some distance. I don't know, five years maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's just a wild guess. But um, they're going to be in the position where they just can't can't take any more money. People won't tolerate it. It'll, there will be an uprising if people are taxed any more to keep this con going, and um, they will just go ahead and print it up. Now, this will probably in, be in concert with their their general spending on everything under the sun. Um, they they are. Um, I mean, they're they're so bankrupt now. If you used corporate accounting on the government, the, the accounting methods that the corporations are required to use, 
it would be very clear that government is 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 already belly up. Um, yes, sir. So um, their their only way out is to is to print money like crazy and trigger off a runaway inflation, which is really looking more and more likely in uh, not the, the distant future anymore. Um, I think, um, you know, when, what they've been doing over the last several years where they've been pumping out trillions of new dollars that they've printed out of thin air, um, <clears throat> and what we're seeing in prices today, there's a really high probability that we are headed into the great runaway inflation um, and, and let me point out that this is not a new thing in America. In uh, the 1780s and in the uh, 1860s and then the 1970s, uh, all three of those cases, and you can throw World War One and World War Two in there too, the federal government has really went wild printing money and uh, thereby debasing the currency so that uh, it wouldn't buy as much and prices rose dramatically. So the federal government has a, has a history of this, um, uh, and um, you know it's it's to my mind it's just very clear they're just doing it again. Yes, sir. Uh, but um, most Americans don't know any real history. All they are ever told is is uh, um, political history. You know who was president and when was the Battle of Hastings and <laughs> all this political stuff, and they're never told any economic history. Yes. But, uh, that happens to be one of my specialties is economic history. And if all you have to do is start studying economic history and you'll realize there's just politically, there's nothing new under the sun. Governments have been stealing from people for, for thousands of years. And, and <laughs> That's they, what they do. Yeah, they're getting better at it. Is what it <laughs> That's what they do for a living. Uh, Richard Mayberry is with us, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. His, uh, his great newsletter that I get and uh, you should get too is Early Warning Report. And if you go on One Radio Network, click on it, you're going to get a really nice deal on it. I don't know the exact numbers because it's lucky I remember, you know, what I had for dinner last night. But, you know, what can I tell you? I, looked, I just looked at uh, Mr. Mayberry on the Fed's balance sheet, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, H41 release, it's kind of fun to look at. Uh, I, it's probably cooked, so I don't even know that they tell you the truth. But, you know, let's just take them for their word. They have $9 trillion on that bad boy. And just in the last week, they've uh, purchased another $959 billion worth of treasuries. So all of this, you know, infrastructure, all this stuff that the Biden administration are doing, most of it's going to the Fed and they're creating the dollars. Um, most of it's coming from the Fed. That's what I mean. In other words, most of the debt is going over to the Fed. Some of it goes out to the street, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. into on, on pension the, yeah. funds. But half of it or so, I don't know. I can You can look at the numbers and they call it, what do they call that, the bid to cover? How many people really want the you know want the stuff? And mm-hmm. if they don't want it, well, then the Fed takes it. And Well, the Fed took a trillion dollars last week. So <laughs> what can I tell you? It's right here in black and white. Yeah, this is, it's so ludicrous. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I gave a speech at an investment conference um, maybe 15 years ago mm-hmm. or so, and um, I can remember I, I told a joke, which was um, the federal government's finances have gotten to the point where 
the only people that can understand it are astronomers. <laughs> That's right, trillions. Yeah, trillions, trillions. It, and that was right at the period when trillions began to pop up in the, the federal accounts and in the government spending. And so I, I was joking that uh, it's, it's gotten to the point where only astronomers can really grasp these numbers that the government is running up in its debt and its spending. Well, now, I mean, it's you see the word trillion <laughs> constantly. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know something that's really interesting? You can do go to the usdebtclock.org, right? And they got this whole fancy thing, and, you know, it's always running, and it's doing the, bet, the debt. But in the last two years, it hasn't moved. Now, how is that even possible, right? It stayed at $29 trillion for two years. It's probably thirty-five. I mean, it's... Yeah, they don't even put it up there. You know, they're cooking the books. Uh, that's interesting. I yes, didn't sir. know that. I used to look at that a lot, but, but I, no, it, it it doesn't move. I'll be darned. I mean, well. I haven't seen it moved in a year. It still stays at under thirty trillion. Um, just, I don't even know how they do it because the numbers keep look like they're going up and they get to thirty and then they go back down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is this a government website? I, I guess so. usdebtclock.org. I don't know. You Maybe know, it's I, not. My memory of that is it is not. Oh, it's I, not. I could be totally wrong. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, um, I mean, the reality is there's very clearly that, <laughs> that they've just gone wild uh, printing and borrowing money. Uh, and taxing. There, there's a lot more taxes coming, too, I'm afraid. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, the amount of debt is, it, I mean, the amount of new debt, I guess, in Lots of it's gone to the Fed, and they've created this. Um, it's been, I think, almost $5 trillion in the last two years, right? Something like um, that? There may be something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I'll make a confession here. I've really um, stopped looking at those, those numbers because <laughs> be, they don't mean anything I anymore. Know. These guys just, just, just print up however much money they want. They borrow however much they want. You don't know if they're telling the truth about what they're doing. All you know is that we're all being defrauded. Um, what really essentially is going on is that um, <clears throat> the way you get elected is by buying votes. You promise people you're going to give them all kind of, kinds of free goodies, and then they vote for you. And so the, some very large part of the population has learned that essentially they are selling their vote to the government. Yes, sir. They're going to vote for the guy who promises them the most free goodies. So the, <clears throat> what the politicians have been doing, of course, is responding to that and, and saying, geez, you know, I've got to outbid uh, my competition here. Uh, he's offering the voters this, this, and this. I've got to at least offer them, you know, 50% more. So the, the politicians are bidding up the price of votes. And... Um, there's no end to it. It's it's just going to keep on going until, in order to fulfill some of these promises, they print enough money that the dollar becomes worthless. So, um, so I guess, give us your opinion then why inflation is so high today. There's, I guess, um, I guess the supply chain thing is is part of it too, right? But is all this money that has been created in the last couple of years it is it coming home to roost and chasing more goods what's your opinion why why uh, 
the inflation is really kind of really getting out of control. Well, I, I, um, I, I always caution people to be careful about the use of the word inflation because okay. the government has warped the definition of that word. It used to mean um, an increase in the money supply. For whatever reason, if the money, if the supply of total, total number of dollars in the economy uh, was a given number and that number went up, so there were more dollars, then that was inflation. Yes. The money supply, and because the dollars were more common, their value would drop, and then prices would rise compensate for that drop in value of each dollar. But the government has gone and warped the definition to mean rising prices. That's what they, so yeah, so milk is going up and meat is going up and so this is inflation. Yes, right, right. And so if you're only worried about inflation, then you're not going to understand what's going on if you're using the government's definition because the government doesn't talk about the fact that they are the ones <laughs> that are debasing the currency. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> by printing so much of it. Uh, um, you can always check yourself on this, make sure you're, you've got a good grasp of reality. If you remind yourself, why is counterfeiting illegal? I mean, isn't it a good thing for everybody to have more money? So why is counterfeiting illegal? Well, it's illegal because money responds to the law of supply and demand just like everything else does. And when the a supply of dollars goes up, the value of each individual mm -hmm. dollar goes down, and then prices have to rise to compensate for that loss of value in each dollar. That's what's really going on. So that's why counterfeiting is illegal, is because it causes rising prices. <laughs> and what happens is governments make counterfeiting illegal for everybody except themselves. Yes. Those rascals, they, they do those kinds of things. <laughs> Uh, with Richard Mayberry, Patrick Timponi. Let's take a little break, okay? We're going to mm -hmm. sell a couple products, and uh, and uh, I think you're going to like this one. I think we have a little special going on with the, with this baby here today. I spend a lot of time in the outdoors, but I do live in the temperate zone. Wintertime means that we're just not getting adequate sunlight to produce enough vitamin D. Even if we went outside and exposed ourselves to the sun, there's just not enough UV because of the angle the sun is at. A lot of people live in urban environments where buildings effectively act like canyons, blocking sunlight. We wear a lot more clothing than ever before. And now with things like lockdowns, people are simply not spending as much time outside getting exposure to sun. So if you're not getting adequate vitamin D, you can end up with chronically low levels, just like almost half of the American population. And that's pretty scary because vitamin D3 deficiency has been implicated in many forms of cancer and negative outcomes from things like flu and COVID. So it's really crucial that we keep our dietary vitamin D3 up and because a lot of the traditional foods like liver and other organ meats that we used to eat that were rich in vitamin D3 are no longer really represented in our diet, we need some kind of high quality vitamin D3 supplement. That's why I love D3K2 Sir Thrival's Daylight Concentrate. It's naturally sourced vitamin D3 from sheep's lanolin and K2 from Japanese natto. That's the most natural supplement you're gonna find anywhere. And at 270 doses per bottle, this is an incredibly good value. Easy to take, just two drops a day. Get one for you, get one for your family members. We love this product because you heard the ingredients. It's not some thing made in a lab and uh, it's just a wonderful product. And uh, 
there's a little deal on it now. I think uh, the promo code, if I can click back to that tab, is... Oh, no code needed. I'm sorry. You just buy one, and you get the second one 50% off. So this would be a great time to stock up, and you have it. And, uh, you know, of course, you can get a lot of vitamin D from the sun, as we do here in Texas, but you're up in uh, whatever, Minnesota someplace, and you don't get a lot. Uh, this is a great great thing to have along, around. One of the other uh, products we really like from, from Sir Thrival is digestive bitters. I'm holding it up here, and you can see a picture. Oh, you're on audio. But anyway, and you just spray this little puppy in your mouth, and it's got all these wonderful uh, uh, bitter herbs, and it really helps Mr. Tummy digest uh, that pizza that uh, everybody tells you you shouldn't eat. But you do, because it's good. Okay, uh, a lot of great products, Sir Thrival, uh, Colostrum, Elk Velvet Antler, Pine Pollen, uh, just really, really nice products. We mentioned uh, Rich, Mr. Mayberry's uh, uh, newsletter, and if you go on oneradionetwork.com, and I'm going to show you up here on video, uh, you can click on the uh, ad, an early warning report, and uh, I started getting my first edition, I think it was in 1986. Wow. You can save $121, such as they are. Federal Reserve notes, yeah. He's, that's right, you trade Federal Reserve notes for these uh, for this thing. It's a good deal. Uh, saving $121 off the subscription price of $300. You can do the math, and that's $179, and that'll get you 10 uh uh, monthly editions. He takes a couple months off. He goes to southern France and gets his vitamin D. Just kidding. Um, there you go. $179 for early warning report. And we're going to go over. Uh, he's got some uh, cool things in this one. And we're going to talk about it when we come back here about uh, defense stocks and uh, what some defense stocks that you might want to uh, invest in. Now, some people say, how could you possibly invest in defense stocks? Aren't you supporting the war? Mr. Mayberry, yeah, I know you get this from time to time. Uh, you're right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> that's, that's true, but um, you know, it's, what I say in the newsletter is that, um, uh, you know, I got a few paragraphs explaining. Yes. Um, you know, to believe that buying defense stocks causes war is like believing that buying fire insurance causes fires. <laughs> it's just not so. I know it's counterintuitive. People yes. think, that, oh, there's something unethical about this. But for one thing, defense is a good thing. You know, um, you, you want to live in a world where you're defenseless, where you, you aren't protected. So... You know, somebody's got to make these weapons that are necessary to keep you from being harmed. And I'm a great believer in defense, whether it's on the individual level or uh, national level. There are bad people out there, and you need defenses. So uh, it's, you know, it is a fact that military forces are misused a lot. Um, the troops... I used to be one of them. Hmm. Um, the troops are frequently sent to die for ridiculous reasons. Um, but that doesn't mean that, a def that defense is a bad thing. It's, 
it means that the idiots that are running the government are bad. Um, and, uh, and, and again, uh, I mean, another point I make is when you buy a defense stock, you're only buying three things, and one of them is the right to sell it and the right mm-hmm. to vote in the company elections and the right to collect dividends. Mm-hmm. And, and I just fail to see how any of that causes war. Yeah, uh, to because me, you, excuse me, because you, yeah. I, and I, I, I'd like to get more clear on this. If you buy like Boeing or, or one of those, mm-hmm. you're not, are you not really investing in the company, are you? Are you? Well, the way I you, look at it is, is stocks are just another form of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, back um, in the 60s or 70s, there was a book called Super Money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what the guy did is he, he suggested that stocks are a form of money that pay dividends. And I, I believe that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, there's, you don't, you know, the idea of the limited liability corporation is ridiculous. Uh, all, all countries use it, but it's ridiculous. Um, and, and it divorces the owners of the company from the company, essentially. You, you really don't have any sort of, of control at all over that company. And so the, do- the stock is just a certificate that is circulated like money, and it, and it takes the place of money in a lot of ways. So stocks are just a form of money. And I'm just suggesting to you that if you invest in uh, U.S. dollars or uh, British pounds or Swiss francs um, in these currencies, then you might also want to invest in stocks, that they're a different kind of currency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all there is to it. Do you, do you think that the defense stocks, for example, if and we'll get into why you think that these things may be going to go up, um, can withstand a, a hit? Uh, many people are predicting we're going to get some kind of hit in the market. We'll get into that, too. Do, do you think that they're going to be sturdier if something really dumb happens with the Dow? Um, n- not in a short in the short run. No, because when whenever you have a panic go through the market and people are selling, uh, and there are people who are having to pay their debts, um, they can only pay those debts by selling something that someone else wants to buy. Mm-hmm. So they sell quality. They don't sell junk. They sell quality in order to be able to pay their debts, and. Um, the defense stocks are some of the highest quality companies, the large ones, are some of the highest quality in the world. So they're one of the first things that gets sold off. But that's an opportunity. Um, I think it's it's prudent to always have some defense stocks in your portfolio, but also have some money back so that when there is a panic and everybody's, not everybody, but an awful lot of people are out there selling their defense stocks, yes, sir. you can buy more. You can buy more. Yeah, at, at dirt cheap prices, which, you know, I do once in a while. It works very nicely. There's a lot of uh, chatter out there on the interweb, and you know everything on the Internet is true. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but about, you know, you really got to be careful because they, whoever they are, are going to really crash this market. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we, I don't know, who, whoever they are, <laughs> um, we call them Doug and Mel around here because... Okay. We don't know who they are, so it's Doug and Mel. So if Doug and Mel, would they have any um, 
would it be what would be their motive to to crash a market to really hit it hard well, now you, could, you know i mean it's it's very possible maybe even likely that there are people who have large amounts of money yes, sir. Um, and they uh they short a whole lot of stocks that are very likely to crash when there's fear in the markets and so they they uh short those and then they spread some rumors and create a crash mm-hmm. yeah uh, wow. that, that's very possible that that goes on. I, I am not a big fan of uh, the stock market. I just believe it's the best thing uh, out there for certain purposes. And um, it's not that, the, <laughs> that it's, it's based on any kind of uh, trustworthy currency or anything like that. It, it's still denoted in dollars, which which really scares me, uh, <laughs> you know, but you, you, we're in a, in a world today where there's no such thing as a good investment. There's only ones that are least bad or oh, less bad. Least bad. Yeah. As Andrew used to say, the dollar is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. Yeah, that's exactly right. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's yeah, a great. Very true. Great, yes. great statement. Cleanest dirty shirt. Yeah. You know, um, we're, since we're talking about defense yeah. stocks, you want to talk about the situation in Ukraine? Well, I mean, Daniel just wrote in and wants to know what your guest thinks about this Ukraine situation. Yes, okay. indeed, we do. Good uh, entry. See, I'll start. Uh, okay, I'll start by giving the the listeners uh, something to watch for, something to keep an eye on, and that is the Javelin missile. J-A-V-E-L-I-N, just wow. like uh, in the Olympics, throwing the javelin. The javelin missile, I believe, is going to decide uh, what happens over there, and there at least very high probability of that. And that is because uh, if you're going to invade somebody's country, you've got to have tanks. You just can't do it without tanks these yeah. days. And the javelin missile was invented like 20 years ago or something, and um it is designed to kill tanks, and it really does. It eats them for lunch. And so the U.S. government now is sending Javelin missiles into the Ukrainians. Really? Okay. And at some point, the Ukrainians will have enough Javelin missiles that the Russians dare not invade. So Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, okay, so the question is, how much time does Putin have left before there are too many Javelin missiles in Ukraine? He's got some kind of deadline there, um, and if the government, U.S. government keeps pumping in the Javelin missiles, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to just get his slate cleaned if he tries to invade Ukraine. So. It's it's he's got a sense of urgency undoubtedly. I think he's smart enough to sure. have a surgeon this feeling of urgency. He's got to do it now or never. So I'm thinking that very possibly when the Olympics are over, something's going to happen. The, uh, the China Olympics? Beg pardon. Uh, which Olympics? Uh, it isn't. Uh, isn't the Olympics coming along here? Uh, in, in Beijing, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. I don't even know if they're going to have them now. They're all masked up and getting crazy. But. Yeah, but anyhow. Um, and, and so you know when, that's when fascinating. Are. So, I mean, Putin's got to know this if Richard Mayberry knows it. Yeah, right, right. right. That's right, yeah. I mean, among military people. Um, they know. 
yeah, especially especially Army and Marines, um, because they're the ones equipped with the javelins and they know what they'll do. Um, so they're they're going to understand this, and the whole Russian military is going to understand it. So um, the question is, you know, is is Putin going to going to let those missiles keep building up until he can't do it, or is he going to attack in the near future? before the Ukrainians get very many of them. Hmm. Um, and, and we don't know. I mean, there's just no way to know. It's, it's all up to that one man. But, but I'm telling your listeners, you know, when you're listening to the news, listen for news about Javelin missiles, because in my opinion, I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I could be wrong. But in my opinion, this whole thing is going to uh, revolve on the, the quantity of Javelin missiles in Ukraine. Interesting. Um, the Ukrainian National Security and Defense Council secretary, who never lies, um, <laughs> he says that Ukraine destabilization is fueled by the Biden administration hysteria and not Russia. I wonder what he said that for. Why he would say that? Well, um, <clears throat> I think there's, a, there's a, some, some truth in there. Um, the, uh, after World War II, the U.S., politicians uh, were the only people in the world who had um, uh, the atomic bomb and 105 aircraft carriers. Wow, 105? And, yeah. So, Man. you know, today, by contrast, they have 11. Now, um, wait a minute. Hold, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> they had 105? Yes. When, sir? Yeah. And what, um, what year? Um, that would be 1945. In 45, and now we have yeah. 11. Yeah. Hmm. And and in forty five, well, they, they have eleven, not we. I don't. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> the um, the uh, the javelin, or I'm sorry, <laughs> back up the aircraft carriers. The aircraft carriers, yeah. <laughs> were the were kind of the linchpin of the idea that that the power junkies in Washington could uh, be the world's uh, dominator and or hegemon or whatever. Where you mm-hmm. We're we're going to run the world, and sure. we're going to we're going to make sure everybody is democratic. Everybody has to have majority rule. That was the, the mantra in Washington. They they just went nuts with all this power that they had. There's never before been anybody who's dominated the whole world the way they did in 1945. Um, and so. Um, They've been going around the world ever since 1945, trying to force other people into uh, majority rule. Yes, sir. And what I, one thing I've learned in life is that if you're a minority, you aren't real happy about majority <laughs> rule. No, <laughs> so that's not that's right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, it, it, in any given country, maybe the majority is in favor of majority rule, but there are a whole lot of minorities that are really against it. And so every time the US government goes into some other country singing about their praise, you know, singing the praises of democracy, you know, half half of the population maybe uh is is saying to themselves, "My god, um, you know, we're going to have absolutely we're going to be helpless. The majority is going to do anything they want with us." Which is why it works out. That it, it really does work out that way. It's obvious that the, the majority gets what they want and the minority doesn't get anything. <laughs> That's the real difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic, right? 
you're not kidding. Boy, you're that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, and you can, you know, the, the federal government tries to cover all this up by saying we, we recommend when we force them into democracy that they have a constitution. But if you start reading those constitutions, um, all they do is reinforce the, uh, the power of the majority. So the federal government has just made, made enemies wholesale around the world ever since 1945. Wow. And um, they're doing it now. I mean, this idea that, that we have have some sort of say in what goes on in Eastern Europe is ridiculous. You know, we <laughs> that's their countries. Those people can go ahead and fight their wars or whatever they're doing. The, the reason I call um, East Europe, Africa, and Asia, the reason I call them chaos stand. Chaos stand, yes. Chaos. Meaning the land of chaos is that that's what it is. Those, those, those countries actually do not exist. Uh, those are just fabrications that you see on a map. But what actually exists is hundreds or thousands of nations and tribes and ethnic groups, um, small uh, tribal uh, um, groups. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the world is still tribal like that. They don't have very much loyalty to their governments, uh, to their countries we see on maps. They're loyal to their tribes. And, and uh, like Russia or the Soviet Union alone had something like 125 different ethnic groups. Wow. And, uh, and that's what is the case most of, in most of the world. Is the world isn't national, it's tribal. And when the U.S. goes into one of those so-called countries and tries to guide things along in some direction, you're stepping on the toes of all these various tribes who have been fighting with each other for thousands of years and have their own agendas that we can't possibly understand because they don't understand them. There's these wars going on in that part of the world all the time, uh, has been for thousands of years, and in most cases, they have no idea how the war got started. Uh, any given two tribes, they, they hate each other, and they really don't know why. Wow. They've just been fighting so long that that's what they do. They it's, fight. It's such a, an interesting paradigm that you just painted. Now, you places like Serbia or Iraq or Afghanistan and Syria, right? All these Turkey. Mm-hmm. And the United States goes in there and... No wonder it's a mess when they go in there. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, you can't sort that out. You can't fix it. <laughs> just can't do it. Right? Yeah. Until these people decide to lay down their arms and kiss and make up, which is uh, not going to happen, right? Right? Yeah. Not in my lifetime. I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> and and uh, but these idiots in Washington think they can go around the world and make the place better. Like, like they know what's good for other people. Amazing. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. And is it all, do you think, driven just by a, an $800 billion defense or just power and, or all of the above? Um, I didn't follow you there. In other words, an $800 billion defense budget, mm-hmm. there's a lot of money sloshing around to be stolen, and then also mm-hmm. then power and control. Yeah. All of those, those things together? Yeah. A, a really good... 
um, a, a really good uh, example of what the government does is what happened in Afghanistan, as we were laughing about before. Um, they're in there fighting the Taliban, and they wind up making the Taliban into the military power that they were trying to prevent. Uh, that, and that shows you how really stupid they are about other countries. I, I can remember the first war about 30 years ago between the Bush family and the Hussein family yes. there in Iraq. Yes. Um, <clears throat> they, I found out that um, somebody, I think it was U.S. News and World Report, did a survey of the country experts in the CIA and other parts of the government that study foreign countries and, they, and asking them, what do you think about the U.S. getting involved in a war in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And it was something like 87% of these experts said, it'll go badly, it'll drag on forever, don't do it. And by golly, they did it. They ignored their own experts, and they went in there trying to clean up Iraq. <laughs> so, that didn't end well, did it? No, no it didn't. I mean... What Americans don't understand, you know, a few of them do, a very few do, but what they don't really get um, is that, how do I say this? Um, uh, <laughs> rats, the idea just left. <laughs> no, that's all right. It, it happens, you know, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I understand. It'll, it'll come back. Yeah, it'll come, it'll pam, come back around. Yeah, yeah, um, but, um, uh, well, oh, oh, I, I got it, okay. I got it, it came back. <laughs> okay. See, it'll Sorry. just come back, it'll just come back. Yeah, um, that, uh, the, well, okay, let's change the subject. Well, let's change it, well, let's change the subject. So, so, in places like Iraq, it was really more than just getting their oil, right? And there was just, there's a lot of motives involved when you go into these places, I guess, just to, yeah. just to keep people on their toes and who knows, right? Okay. You know, there we go. People don't understand that the people who go into politics are power junkies. <laughs> they want power. They want the thrill of using power on other people. Yes, sir. Um, and, and that's what really motivates them. Now, this is, this is the idea I couldn't come up with. They, when you vote for somebody and put him in office, you're you're voting for a person who is successful at winning elections. Mm -hmm. That is his skill. You look at all the people in the in the political side of the government, and and actually this applies to the top level bureaucrats too. The way you get to the top in government or near the top is by being an expert at playing politics. You, are, you don't need to be an expert in law or history or economics or foreign policy or military policy in order to get elected. You need to be a very clever, skilled person at winning elections. Yes, sir. I mean, so everybody yeah. that's running the government is a guy who is an expert at winning elections, not at all these other things that he makes decisions about. I think Donald Trump is a perfect example, right? Perfect example of that. Um, well, yeah, you might you might say that. I, I mean, mean, he did it mostly with money rather than skill, but. <laughs> but I mean, he was pretty good on the stump, and I mean, he he 
Yeah. I mean, he's out there in Arizona. I think they had like 40,000 people two weeks ago in Arizona. I mean, people love this guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a good, you know, he's a good talker and, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, you, you've got to be a good talker in order to win. You don't have to know anything no. about anything else, but you have to be really good at politics. So I guess you're not you don't you don't care much about even these uh, midterms coming up. I mean, is it all just fairy dust to you? <laughs> um, that, <laughs> you know, I like that term. That's good. Fairy yeah. dust. It's all just a dream, and it doesn't <laughs> matter much <laughs> what goes on. I mean, there's a lot of people just really kind of excited about the Republicans taking over. You know, in the midterms. Um. Well, I, I, my, my view of that is simply that um, uh, the people that are in power right now are so abominable uh, that practically anybody would be better than what we've yes, got sir. now. Yeah, right. um, now that, but that's not an endorsement of the Republican <laughs> right. Party. No, I understand. <laughs> but I guess if they could stop some of the, 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 the bills, that would kind of clog things up for a couple of years, right? Yeah, um, uh, there is this, this kind of hope that the Republicans would, or conservatives, whichever you right. um, would um, be able to slow things down. But then again, uh, they tend to be really, really happy about war. Yes, and, sir. Uh, yeah. um, and I think that we are really cruising toward a war real fast, uh, especially in the South China Sea. Both the U.S. government and Chinese government have wrecked their economies, and they need a scapegoat or a diversion, hmm. um, just like in the 1930s in the Great Depression. These governments wrecked their economies, and then they needed somebody to blame it on, and they started aggravating each other and wound up with the biggest war in history. And I think the, the uh-huh. dynamics are pretty much the same today. You've got... Um, you know, there's no economy around the world that is really that good anymore because they're all heavily socialist, and and so um, I'm I'm guessing that um, it's there's there's just not going to be any sort of a improvement in the behavior of the U.S. government um, until we have a, a really big catastrophe and and people think that um, they've got to they got to return to the original American system. Yes. So you're you're, you're talking about uh, Taiwan and the whole stuff that's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, do you, do you think it's possible we get into a hot war with China? I mean, they got a, a billions of people. Well, I, I just finished a, a lengthy article about that mm. in early warning report, um, and it's going to be in the next middle, month. Uh, yeah, the February issue is going to come out in about a week, I believe. Yes, sir. And um, I'm, I'm explaining the uh, the uh, Chinese do not have one navy. They've got three navies. They've got what's their deep water navy. Then they've got their shallow water navy, which is their um, uh, coast guard. And then they have this this creature that <laughs> nobody really understands is called the Chinese Militia Navy. And it's made up very largely of cargo ships and, um, and, and fishing trawlers that are armed. Whoa. 
and um, they pretty much go wherever they want and do whatever they do. Nobody knows who controls them, if anybody. And, um, you know, I was explaining before about the ethnic groups all across Chaostan. Mm -hmm. You know, those countries don't really exist. They're just all a bunch of small ethnic groups. Well, the Chinese militia navy is uh, a ocean-going version of those independent tribes. Wow. And so nobody really controls them, and nobody knows what they're going to do. And there's no, and nobody, as far as anyone knows, there's not much communication among them. Each captain is essentially his own country. And there are hundreds of those ships out there, Chinese militia navy. So that's another thing your, your listeners can, can watch for, is news about the China, Chinese militia navy. Uh, it's a wild card if there ever was one. And who knows what they're going to do. So they could shoot at a ship out of the water or something like that and uh, get something going, if, right? Yeah. Get, uh, get something. So, so do, are, you, are you suggesting that your opinion that maybe China is messing around in Taiwan and, and uh, poking uh, you know, the U.S. in the eye just to kind of possibly get involved with something to keep their eye off the ball of all the yuan they're, they're printing and all the, the econ- economic disaster that they're in. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's what governments do. That's they what get, they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all through history, they're always saying, hey, you need us. <laughs> you you, you uh, taxpayers, you really need us because we're protecting you against these bad guys over here. And the, uh, the bad guys over there are saying exactly the same thing coming in that's the other a- direction. That's what governments do. They actually... Um, I, I think it's very valid to see them, uh, cases of, let's say, Washington versus Beijing, as symbiotic relationships. Um, each keeps the other's population scared, so the populations, both populations, are willing to tolerate however much taxes that the politicians want to want to collect. So do you think this is what this whole China thing's about, really? Just keeping our eye off of the ball of what these guys are up to? Um, I, I think it's, uh, it's just about the economies. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the worse the economy gets in both countries, then uh, the greater the incentive to get into a shootout with each other. And then you, <laughs> when you drop the Chinese militia navy into the mixture, <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And another thing I point out in that, that uh, early warning report that's coming up next week is that when the Soviet Union fell apart, the <clears throat> a whole lot of the Soviet nuclear weapons disappeared. Yeah, I've and, read that. And you, you've written about that over the years, haven't you? Yeah. These little so, suitcase things? Exactly, yeah. Wow. Thousands of nuclear weapons small enough to be carried in suitcases yeah. just disappeared. And nobody knows uh, how many disappeared or where they went because the, the Soviet accounting was socialist accounting and they didn't keep track of how many nukes they had <laughs> so they don't know how many they lost and and they just disappeared and we wow. don't know where they are and and you know i asked the question in this upcoming early warning report is um what do you think the chances are that some of these captains of these uh, chinese militia navy ships have a nuke underneath their bunk yep 
Okay, before we go, Richard Mayberry, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, if you have a few more minutes, um, uh, the Federal Reserve Board is meeting today, right? And they're going to do the FOMC meeting. And they're talking about beginning rate hikes, uh, possibly uh, in March, like maybe a quarter point or something, to begin to raise the rate that banks, um, let's see, get from the Fed, right? And then, mm-hmm. then in theory, it would raise the rate when Richard Mayberry and Patrick borrow some money from the bank, right? So that would, the, the idea would be to slow down inflation. Do you think what the Fed will do in the next year or six months is going to have anything to do with uh, lowering the uh, uh, rising prices because of the uh, inflation of the monetary system? Well, um, they've already pumped so many trillions of dollars out there that um, I should say they've already counterfeited so many trillions of dollars that and they haven't taken that money out and they don't don't have any plans of taking it out that I know of. Yeah. So that money's still out there and in uh, as prices rise, people will be less and less inclined to hang on to the money. They'll want to spend it before it becomes less valuable. And so you've got trillions of dollars sitting out there that may be suddenly maybe not suddenly within a period of some months uh, that, that people will decide they need to go out and spend real fast, and that will drive prices crazy. So <clears throat> that's a very likely po- probability. It's, uh, it happens all the time in runaway inflation. Runaway inflation is not a new thing. It, it has been going on for many centuries. Governments have been doing it. And um, there's nothing new about what's happening in America today uh, in regards to that. The... the Money has been printed and pumped out, and so it's chasing goods and services, driving up the prices of those things, and it's very likely to continue. I, I don't know what would stop it other than a repeat of what happened in the early uh, 80s when they realized, the, the powers that be realized that they had triggered off a situation that could wreck the whole world financial system by printing too many dollars. And uh, they stopped printing them, and they drove interest rates up to, I think... Uh, 15, right? Something close? Yeah, it depends on which one you're yeah. looking at. But I think some of the some of the short-term T-bills went up to around 20%. Wow. After. But uh, that's how they stopped it, is by slamming on the brakes of the printing presses and driving interest rates up to those astounding levels and it and it caused um, you know two depression or two recessions back to back and um, uh, pretty much uh, really reduced economic activity a lot during the whole 1980s didn't didn't really recover from it until the 1990s and that's a time when old jimmy was in his Right in the White House with a sweater on, whip yeah. inflation now button. Remember that one? That yeah. was great. Go, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Right. Yeah, he's turning down the heat. You know, it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, and then gold went, I mean, all the way, I guess if you go from the early 80s all the way, or, I'm sorry, the early 70s to the early 80s, went from $35 to 850 or something before it topped out. I mean, that's a huge increase. Do you, do you think it's possible we see that kind of percentage increase in gold 
spot prices today or in the next couple of years? Um, I, That'd I be a big thing, right? Yeah, next couple of years, not today, no. not immediately. Right. Um, next two years, uh, next two years, I'd give it a, oh, I'd give it a 50% probability. Within five years, I'd give it a 90% probability. I, wow. That, I mean, gold could really go that, that far in five years. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it, it is today. I think it, it, it would be in those, those areas today if governments didn't fight it. Sure. That, that's the, the worst thing about gold is that it's, governments are scared to death of it, and they fight it all the time. So hmm. whenever it starts to move, they try to push it back down. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So you know, you have occasional situations where a given government would like to sell a lot of gold for whatever reason. Maybe they're broke uh, and they need to <laughs> transfer it to dollars. So so they might rig something where it uh, it causes a, a temporary move in the gold price that they can profit from. But generally, um, governments are scared to death that the population will go to gold, and so whenever it makes a sharp upward move they try to knock it back down yeah um but um because people people get frightened when gold goes up right yeah yeah they don't want that yeah it's it's a uh it's a sign of deep trouble when (laughs) when people start going into gold and that scares everybody (laughs) but that's one of the reasons why in your portfolio you like numismatics right where you can these real american dollars and the little plastic things and you know, the St. Gardens and that, and the, the, you just hang on to those, right? And just for a rainy day. Yeah, those are, those are long-term investments long-term. in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Although we, I think we are in the beginning of a run-up in the numismatics, um, and I, I mean that literally. I think that over the last couple of months, maybe, um, <clears throat> suddenly the numismatic market has, has been the new destination. Uh, or yes, a, a new new destination for people trying to get out of dollars. Um, now, whether that will continue or not, yeah, I don't know. Um, probably, you, know, you can always say probably. All of these these types of investments that <clears throat> do not have their values tied to the value of the dollar. Um, now, you know what most investors don't understand is that when the government pumps out a lot of money. It doesn't just go out and and settle someplace and stay there. It moves around. So you will have hot spots occurring constantly during an inflation where the money goes into one spot, um, drives up prices of whatever, let's say real estate in that spot, and then uh, it tops out. And then the money goes somewhere else. And then it goes somewhere else. And on and on. It just circulates in big bundles. Uh, moving around in the economy. Yes, sir. Uh, so, you know, you have to be aware that there's no such thing as uh, a long-term investment anymore uh, that means what it used to, because um, the, the as they pump out more and more money, that money's going to slosh around from one hot spot to the other. And when a hot spot has run its course, then you might have a crash right there, even though you're in the middle of a runaway inflation. Yes, sir. Uh, finally, and uh, I know you have to run, and so do I. I've got a little appointment. Um, I have so much fun talking. I wish I could just do it longer. But um, I, I was looking at the money MZM from Fred in St. Louis, the Federal Reserve Bank in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. 
that's the hot money, what they call money with a zero maturity, MZM. Yep. A year ago, it was $21 trillion, and they stopped, they stopped doing the chart. It discontinued a year ago. So this is money that could go out chasing Nintendos or whatever, right, if people think prices are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, who knows what it is today if it's $21 trillion a year ago. I mean, yeah. who knows? Yeah. It could be 25 Who knows? So that's something to think about. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> I feel better already. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's always fun. I really enjoy uh, being on the air with well, you. Well, thanks. We enjoy it's having really you. Fun. So, Mr. Maybury, you take care of yourself and okay. let us know if we can help, and we will see you the last uh, Wednesday in February, sir. I will look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. Patrick Bye. Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, we mentioned uh, his, uh, his uh, early warning report. You can grab that on OneRadioNetwork.com. You'll get it for, uh, I think, $179. Uh, it's really great, and you can hear. He, he knows his stuff, and he's big picture. So uh, if you're messing around in the market, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, uh, you'll benefit, and it'll be uh, money real uh, well spent. OneRadioNetwork.com. A little plug here for Fred, if I can pull up his, where's his um, slide? Where is it? Well, anyway, Fred Dashevsky with U.S. Coin Capital. And if you would like to buy some gold, buy some silver, hint, hint, buy some numismatic coins, buy some... Pre-1965 gold and silver coins, we certainly recommend Fred Dachevsky. We've known Fred uh, for a long time. He used to um, be the partner of Andrew Goss before Andrew left us. That rascal, I can't that rat, what did he leave us for? And uh, But it's here's his slide. I got it here. I knew I could find it. 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. You can get pre-1965 Dimes, quarters, and halves, silver dollars, and then numismatic coins. Uh, you know the uh, the graded coins, real American money, that um, are in plastic cases. And you can just put in your underwear drawer until the end of time and whatever. But eight hundred eight seven eight twenty six forty six. Okay, we're gonna take um, uh, we're gonna take uh, a day off and see you on Friday. We're gonna have lots to talk about. And I'll try to get some sleep and not be up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, But, you know, who knows what I'm doing. So I love you all very much. Thank you for your ongoing support. We will see you Friday, 10 o'clock Central. Let us know if we can help with anything. We have a lot of great videos. We're streaming on our website, old uh, archive shows from the past couple of weeks. Also, some other things from other people. Take care of yourself. Stay under the radar. Remember, the government, you don't have to do anything any relationship with these people except one thing. Pay your taxes. Other than that, just let them alone because they're bonkers. I love you all. Thank you. Take care of yourself. See you. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.